Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Should it be an episode on relationships or is that too close to the sex episode? No, I think it's totally different. But the thing is, will you have anything to talk about? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh my God, I'm just kidding. Uh, wow. Uh, it's August, which um, you may not know is kind of just like a dead time all around for a lot of people who work in media. And especially of course, freelancers. you know, especially freelancers and it's summer and, you know, we want to like have a little bit of a summer break. Although, I mean, in August, I'm actually going to be working just on different things. So so we're like a virgin LLC. That's actually <laughs> that's not actually what our yeah, LLC is. Our called. LLC is Loretta. After um, lo- Moonstruck. <laughs> Loretta LLC is taking some time off this August. And we so enjoyed recording our um, Girls Girling episodes in June and are still, you know, apart and want to spend a little extra time together. So you're hearing this now in August, but we are recording it in July. And like those episodes in June, we're going to focus on one topic or theme that is not media or entertainment related and just kind of shoot the shit about that. Yes. So no cultural topic for today, but we were tasked um, by producer Phoebe to talk about relationships. And I believe the inciting question she's provided us is, why have all your romantic relationships failed? Um, Which just goes to show that Phoebe um, uh, knows us very well and also is a bitch. (laughs) 
I will, okay, so let me just caveat this because it's not necessarily inaccurate to say, to ask, why have all your romantic relationships failed? Because uh, as far as relationships go, you and I have maybe not been in as many as the average girl or maybe... Um, just, like, don't prioritize or, like, market our lives through relationships the way some people do, but I will yes. say... and also neither of us are currently in a relationship, so, yes. you know, just by, by, you know, uh, logic, that means all of our previous relationships have failed because yes. none of them continue to endure. But I will say, just to be that girl, that I actually just don't feel like any of my relationships have been quote-unquote failures. I I really believe in, like, love cycles. I believe that, like, all relationships kind of teach me things and, like, give me something new um, and cult. And I, and I do feel like I am the prod I think like who I am today is the product of a lot of ex lovers and like what they have you know given me or taught me in the time that I've spent with them so like when a relationship ends I don't necessarily think of it as a failure I think of it as the end of a love cycle um and I don't know I I I yeah I just wanted to caveat that Okay, well, thank you for providing that context. Um, you know, a lot of my relationships have failed because I wasn't exactly interested in them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, as I've, I've kind of like jokingly said on this podcast before, like that I think I might fall somewhere on the aromantic or demi-romantic spectrum. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I don't know how true that is. I think like for me defining it in that way is not super helpful. It's just like relationships have never been a huge priority for me and I really love the beginning of a relationship I love a crush I love that feeling of obsession Mm. and then as soon as my interest is returned I lose it yeah Um, so that's kind of how all of my relationships have mostly failed and then also a lot of them have been just because what if that didn't happen i got to the point where i wanted to like define what we were and the other person and i were not on the same page either i wanted to be you know boyfriends or girlfriends or whatever and the other person didn't or the other person did and i was like that's not what we are Hmm. i i guess the the biggest problem with all my romantic relationships has the through line has been just not being on the same page as the other person Hmm. you know like the last time i actually dated someone when it ended was when i said like so we've been dating for a while like do i call you my boyfriend and the other person was like oh i didn't think that was something we were doing, oh, wow. which is like so gaslighty because like it's not just about words. Like you show people through actions yes. how how you are defining your relationship. And this was someone who very much acted like my boyfriend. Yes, if you're playing house and doing all this shit, if you're if you're like raking in on the emotional intimacy, like because he wanted me to like come over every night just to sleep. He Ugh. like texted me every day he wanted to like go out to dinner all the time I guess maybe what pushed him over the edge was um one time after we had sex I set his calme de garçon wallet on fire by accident (laughs) on accident it was an accident he had Uh a lit he had a lit candle and I you know knocked his wallet into it and it lit on fire 
But he definitely was my boyfriend. And then when I was like, so you're my boyfriend, right? He was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. Which Such is a huge red flag. Just so annoying. An, an immediate chop. Um, so I similarly, I have similar problems. I feel like I'm always not on the same page with like the romantic partners that I find. And um, I'm usually trying to keep things casual and they want something more I'm trying to feel it out or take my time and and that's just not where they are and that's usually a consequence of dating people that are younger than me which happens all the time but I will say my relationships usually start in kind of the inverse way I cannot in any way develop a real crush on someone unless I have green light confirmation that they like me or that they're into me like Mm. my crush and I don't I don't know if this is like a really great very healthy approach to relationships or if it's just narcissism but like I truly cannot find that you know crushy feeling until it feels like a possibility for me and I think that kind of cuts me off from a lot of opportunities like I'm really but that's probably healthy It is healthy. I mean, I'm grateful for it because I'm not, like, stuck, not since high school at least, not stuck, like, pining over people that aren't going to love me back um, or aren't even going to, like, you know, think about, think about me. But it also, like, cuts me off from opportunity because if I don't have a green light, if I don't have, like, initial flirting or anything, which is really difficult for me to pick up on in the first place, like, I just won't even consider you as a prospect. Um, And so I tend to play defense and anybody that ever wants to get me, which has always, always been true and probably will stay true, usually has to approach me first in some capacity, you know? And I think that's when I start to engage. But yeah, I don't know. It's so hard, especially when like, especially in like queer relationships, like the situationship just is... Reigns supreme. It reigns supreme. And I am in a lot of them. And I feel like, you know, the only ethical way to do situationships is that, is if you're both on the same page about being in situationships. And that has been, like, my last few relationships have been that. They've been things that we have not labeled, but we have, like, in some capacity committed to each other. Um, But it creates tension if one of the partners is not forthcoming about what their wants and needs are. And um, the, 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 the issue really, at the end of the day, usually is like, they want something that I do not want, or they're not willing to take it at the pace that I want to take it, or we're not finding a way to compromise, or... I don't know. I I, I think that to answer Phoebe's inciting question, I do feel like a lot of my relationships become about power dynamic and control. And And you always have the power? Mm, You know. Or you always want the power? Yeah. um, I, I, I do. Well, I wouldn't say I always want the power. I would say in recent, in like the last two ish years I've really conceded myself to my lovers and tried my hardest to be less like the person that I used to be but but trying to reclaim power in relationships does come naturally to me so it is a vice I I I I end up falling into like I I like things to be on my terms I like and you ask what you want are you you ask for what you want in relationships. Exactly. But the thing is, if I date you long enough, what I eventually have to kind of let you in on is is to say, like, hey, my first relationship, which was a year and a half long, was really emotionally traumatizing. And, like, 
it, it, I, it was with a person who controlled everything that I did. And, and, and so now I've basically shaped all of my future relationships after that to protect myself in a way that is sometimes overcorrective and, and, you know, not fair to the partners that I take on. And, and sometimes I, I mean, someone that I dated a few years ago, I had to be like, Hey, like, I don't know why I reacted this way. I don't know why I did this. I don't know why I did that. I'm so sorry. I think it's coming from, this has to do with like my last relation or this has to do with relationships eons ago and it doesn't have to do with you. And I'm so sorry that it's, that I brought it in. I mean, that's, it's really good that you're so self-aware about it because despite the fact that I don't, or maybe because of the fact that I don't have a lot of romantic relationships, when I have been in them, I just act like a fucking crazy person yeah. and I don't really have any self-control and that feeling of like having a crush and it, it being something that is uh, controlling you, that is really most of my experience with relationships and probably why I choose not to shape my life around them because I know that I'm just like prone to that. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-errands pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. There's someone who I dated right around, right before I started transitioning, who just like never kind of gave me what I wanted, but always strung me along and he was so 
hot and I was so obsessed with him mm-hmm. and then would like periodically pop back into my life over the years and say things like, oh, well, I actually think I might be bisexual and I might be into women and like give me a little bit of hope. And then that feeling of not having control of how I acted around this person would come back. And mm-hmm. we even, <laughs> he he was really into uh, stick and pokes at one point and he one time we like hung out and he gave me a tattoo and then I tattooed my name on his ass. Um, oh my god, that's so punk. That's like very you. Not gonna lie, it is. And it was so it was so hot. And I said to him like after it happened, I said, "So you know that I own you now?" And he's like, "I know. I've always known that." And it was crazy to me how he could say things like that that were so hot, but like then not follow that up with giving me what I actually wanted, which was just like him. And so because of that feeling, I I am someone who likes control. And so I guess one of the reasons why I have chosen not to order my life around romantic relationships is because I don't want to, in a larger sense, give up the control over my life that I have Mm -hmm. and... Uh, yeah, I, I guess I, I'm too into being the person who says what I what I'm doing and what I want um, to like give up that larger control. And I mean, you said you kind of read me kind of recently <laughs> when we were talking about doing our live show in New York, and I was saying that the the reason that I didn't want to do it is because I couldn't be in control of it and the way I wanted. And you said, no, what it's actually about is you don't want to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another big part of it is like relationships are really uncomfortable. You're giving so much of yourself. You're putting so much of yourself into someone else's hands and letting them decide. And you're letting someone see you in a really vulnerable way. Mm -hmm. And that to me is extremely uncomfortable. And because I know I have this propensity to like become so obsessed with someone that I'll like literally let them do whatever they want. I'll let them like tattoo something on my body. I just don't let myself get to the point where that could even start to happen. Hmm. I similarly, like, I can, I can try, I, I'm very protective and I think, I don't know if it's in the same way, but like I can be very codependent, like extremely codependent with like my lovers and like I, when I get into a rhythm with them, I want them around all the time. And I get really scared of that version of myself. Like, my Venus is in Gemini. And, like, a switch flips. And um, I think it's it's something that can be really terrifying um, to make yourself that vulnerable or uncomfortable, as you're saying. And I think a lot about worthiness. And I think that you and I just actually have arrived at a place where we really do know our own worth. Like, we really do know how good we are at our jobs. We know, like, how we ascend. We know, like, how good we are actually at relationships and communication, how adult we are, like, how stable we are in our own lives. And, like, it's really hard for prospective lovers to even come close to, like, where we are. You know what I I mean? I know. I really... I can't imagine being with someone who's not on my level. And I don't mean that... In, I mean that in many ways, not just in one way. Also, my Venus is also in Gemini. Wait, are you kidding me? Yeah, my Venus is in Gemini in the second house. Uh, jaw 
dropped. We need to talk to Chani about this. Um, <laughs> yes. I we need to um, conference her in immediately. That is wackadoodle. Yes, but so um, I I think when I over the past couple years, I have found myself getting a lot more attention from younger people, which mm. is not necessarily like mm-hmm. who I normally am the most attracted to, and because of that. I can't imagine dating someone who does not have their shit together in the same way I do. So like, I don't even like consider those like people as partners. Mm. And I, and I mean that on so many levels, like, I mean, financially, like someone who, who has their shit together with their career, or at least Mm. like knows what they want to do or is like working towards that. And also someone who knows themselves because a lot of people really don't know themselves. And you and I are two people who have done a lot of work to become almost painfully self-aware. And, you know, if my romantic relationships could be at the level as my, you know, friendships are maybe, but it's it's so much work. I mean, you and I do so much processing. Yes, and I girl. can't imagine doing that with a, someone I have sex with. Okay, two things. First of all, the over processing thing is so real. I do feel like I've done so much self work, but now to the point of just like it becoming an issue. Like one of my last serious relationships. Our relationship had already ended, but we had, you know, one of those, like, months later, like, let's talk a little bit about it and how it went or whatever. And something that he said has really stuck out to me. He was like, we spent so much time processing and talking about what wasn't going wrong or how you were trying to fix yourself or how I was trying to fix myself. Like, we spent so much time saying how we were going to do better that we never, like, just were. We never... We're in the actual relationship because we're talking too much about the futurity and how to improve it. And I was but like, was it, damn. But was, but was that a direct result of conflict you were having? It was, um, it was, it was, it was a direct result of conflict and also, um, a direct result of me being in like, I think my first year of therapy. So there was a lot going on and it was the pandemic. Because I think when you have, on. when you have conflict, like you need to work through it. That's one of the reasons why. Fran and I have a good friendship and are able to work together. And it's like, I was talking to someone about this recently. Like, it's not just something that happens. Fran and I have had some very, you know, not not dark, but, but very intense moments in our friendship where we have had to call each other out or call each other in and really talk about it because our friendship is really important to both of us. Um, And I know that I'm someone with interpersonal relationships that if I don't, if I don't bring a problem up when it's happening, it will just fester and become something much bigger than what it is. And that's like, I'm so grateful that I'm able to come to you and say like, Hey, this thing happened the other day and it has been kind of bugging me. And I know that if I just don't say something about it, it's going to keep bugging me. So let's just talk about it. Yeah. Um, exactly. And I just can't see myself doing that with a romantic partner. Because yeah. all the times I've tried, it has so backfired on me. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, 
Oh my god, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-errands pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. I just don't prioritize romantic relationships. I let romantic relationships happen to me. They fall into my lap. Someone approaches me, I'm going to engage with that because you've taken the time. And and if I think you're sexy or fun, and I want to date. But like, I'm just not hawking for them. I don't go out to the clubs to look for relationships. I'm there with my girlies. When I imagine my life, when I, and I'm someone who does want to get married, okay? Like, I do want to be a wife, okay? But, like, when I imagine my life, when I imagine that wedding, or, like, what my life looks like, I don't imagine myself and a partner. I imagine myself and a partner and a community of people that we have, like, built our lives around and with, that we are cultivating lives together, that I am helping raise my friend's kids, that I am, like, you know, that I'm traveling all the time with my friends and with my partner. Like, I don't want isolated time to no end with, like, my, you know, betrothed or whoever it is. Like, it's just... I can't I can't even imagine that. And no. That, I, that, is, that, I think, is the problem. Although I do have moments where I think, you know, last week it was my birthday and I did think, oh, it would be so nice to have a partner who was, like... Yeah making sure that I was, you know, having a good day or, like, whatever. But those are really the only moments where I think about that. And part of all this is I'm so bad at dating. And Mm. I just don't... It's, like... I mean, dating's fucking hard. 
I mean, it's it's a it's it's a combination of being bad at it and also being completely disinterested, and a big part of it is being out of practice with it. Yeah. So much of this is you know a byproduct of over two years of the pandemic and just like not my social muscles not being what they used to be. But I remember like right after I moved to LA, you know, I was trying to find connection. I was like. Not just, I wasn't really using Grinder because I didn't want to have casual sex because of the scary COVID of it all. But I started to use like Tinder more. Mm. And there were people who wanted to like meet up in the park and go on a walk. And not the park. I, I mean, first of all, I don't ever want to, I don't ever want to meet ever. up with someone in a park ever, ever again. Ever, ever, um, ever. But. I was so out of practice of talking to a human being I didn't know in real life. And dating was already something that I had been really, like, bad about and disinterested in. And so I just, like, fully opted out of it. I remember even I even made plans to meet up with someone and then just ghosted them. Because I was like, I can't do this. I don't have the spoons for it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I, you know, you shouldn't be too hard on yourself. I, I think it's it's worth saying and what mi- probably virgins at home already know is that, like, dating as a trans person is extremely hard. And dating is hard for girls yeah. like us, but, like, especially for girls like you. Like, you, yours and my transness are extremely different and, like, I benefit from just, you know, still dating faggots. You know, like, we date dip completely different pools of people um, to, some, to some extent. And, you know, I, I just, like, the, the, the mental backflips and kind of inner monologues that you have to have just to get yourself in the door is just completely different than probably most people listening to this podcast, you know? Yeah, I think, I you know, I I would imagine that a lot of trans people can understand that experience and, like, a lot of cis people might not have a way to even conceptualize what it is like as a trans person to think about dating, to think about meeting someone who you've never met before and, like, all of the things you have to sort of, like, prepare yourself for Mm. about how they might interact with you or see you and, and... yeah, it the like it, not even it like sucks. honestly like microaggressions are like the baseline, but like what's worse actually is like what they don't say, but what you know they're thinking. Yeah, and that I is started the worst part, and I started like being, especially in the past, I don't know, maybe six months. The you know I do not hook up with people as often as I used to, mm. and when I do, I'm much more upfront. I like really don't want to have sex with men who consider themselves straight at all. And like, you know, I I'm bi, but I do primarily have sex with men. It's just easier to casually have sex with, Mm. with men. I really do not want to have sex with anyone who doesn't consider themselves queer. Mm. And I have started like the last person I had sex with, um, who's bi, I said something along the lines of like, just so you know, like, I don't consider myself super cis passing. So if that's something you're interested in, if you're, like, on Grindr specifically looking for a stealth like, looking for trans women, that's just not my tea. And, and he, you know, was like, oh, yeah, like, I would never think that my opinion on how someone presented, like, should have any impact on them. And that's not something I, I really care about at all. Mm. And so... It is, like, very reassuring to me to have those kinds of 
caveats up front and out of the way, but it still like is scary. I think it's less scary when it's just sex, but if you have a feeling that it could be more than that, I think when you're trans, it's just like, you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. Oof. I mean, honestly, though, to end on some lightness, I have to bring up a point that we talked about in the Honey Pluton episode, which is that you and I would be exceptional contestants on a dating show. I think I would be a great judge or a host. No, no, no. No, 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 no I don't no, want to no. be a contestant. No, baby, no, 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 no. baby, mm. this, this is my plea. Virgins, if you know casting directors, producers, you know people that work on reality shows, especially if you know someone that works on Fuckboy Island who is trying to develop a queer fuck they island, we want to be cast. We would be excellent dating contestants. No, for I want to be the host. <laughs> okay, fine. But beyond that, what I'm trying to do, Rose, is use this public platform to get you laid. Okay, like all of us deserve. Oh, dates. I'm totally, I'm totally open to people saying. sliding into my DMs. Yes, like, hello. I mean, even though you don't read your DMs, what's the best way, actually, Rose? Like, no, uh, slide so I, I do read. I check my DMs. I don't which, respond to them. IG, not Twitter, right? IG, yeah, I don't check my Twitter DMs. No Twitter. Okay, for me, I also, DMs also work, especially for Instagram, so that I can see what you look like first. Um, And I, I but feel like... But, like, don't DM me if you live in, like, wherever the fuck. Yeah. Like, if you live in LA and you want to slide, go for go it. Go slide. We'll see. And for me, I mean, I'm a bi-coastal girl, but, like, I'm in New York right now. So, hit me up. Next week, we'll be back with another, you know, chit-chatty episode. So, you know, nothing to prep for that, but come prepared for us to get a little deep, a little vulnerable. Um, And as always, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us so much. I'm your co-host, Rose Damu. You can find me anywhere online at Rose Damu. And I'm Fran Tirado. You can find me at Fran Squishko, anywhere you want. Subscribe to Like a Virgin anywhere you listen to podcasts. Leave us a rating on Spotify or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love to see them. Like a Virgin is an iHeartRadio production. Our producer is Phoebe Unter with support from Lindsay Hoffman, Julian Weller, Jess Kranchich, and Nikki Etor. See you next week, virgins. Bye. Ciao. Adios. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.